electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, they're foreign. And when they were speaking, I had an accent. They said, do you know where we're from? Flirty. The one uh, very more taller, sophisticated. The other one was more cutesy, like the girl next door. And fun-loving. Very disarming. They compliment you. You're very, very nice. You're a nice American. I said, thanks. They're bar girls, also known as B-girls. And once they get a hold of a man's attention... The girls would straddle the guys, rub up against the guys, grind on the guys. And his credit card... The game's over. Every three minutes, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000, $800 tip, $700 tip. But behind the smiles and the seduction, a scheme run by the Russian mob exploits Florida law. Listen, guy, I'll bust your head right here. I'm a police officer and I can do it. And runs up a bar tab for the record books. The limit of the credit card was the only thing that stopped them. They exceeded the greed limit. Forget about gecko. Greed is good. Greed is not so good. Eventually, you'll get, you'll get nailed. I'm John Valera's Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's been a magnificent day with temperatures well up there into the 60s. A pot of sunshine for sure. Big question is how long will it last? Details coming up. For TV weatherman John Valera's, it's been a long winter of forecasting snow and ice. Now that the February sweeps ratings period is over, Valera's can relax a bit and enjoy his springtime ritual. Jetting off to Miami Beach. Head to the beach, pool, got the workouts in, you play golf, come back, do a great dinner, you know, have a couple of drinks and just chill out. And you really just chilled and relaxed and had a good time. Miami is an adult playground. A place where the normal rules of society don't always apply. If you're a guy my age and you pull up to a club in a Ferrari with a 28-year-old stripper with a tattoo, they give you applause. You're not humiliated. I mean, I would be humiliated, right? But Miami, and you're going good. <laughs> On the night of March 27, 2010, John Bolaris leaves his room at the Fountain Blue Hotel and gets in a taxi heading south on Collins Avenue. He gets out at the Delano Hotel and heads in for sushi and drinks. Here's the thing about Bolaris. Everywhere he goes, he's mobbed by fans. You can see it in this news clip. Who's on that phone? I'm talking to my mother, tell her I'm in front of you. I was always accessible. 
I grew up blue collar on Long Island and, you know, playing baseball. And so, you know, I was a very approachable guy. Even here in Miami, people recognize John Valeris. Some Philadelphians on spring break see him and say, hey, John, what's the weather going to be? The bartender is also from Philly. Two women at the side of the bar take note of this banter. And then they came up from behind and said, hey, you're a weather presenter in, in this country. And I looked at him, I said, oh, I don't know about him, a weather presenter. And he goes, yeah, he's a weatherman, he's a meteorologist. He goes, oh, that's very interesting. Valera says the women appear to be in their mid-20s and they're well-dressed. Miami could be over the top quite a bit. South Beach, they were not uh, that way. They were sophisticated. I had a European um, look to them. And when they were speaking, I had an accent. They said, do you know where we're from? And I said, um, Poland. I just, <laughs> they said, no, Estonia. I said, oh, okay. And then they, um, we started talking. Boleris, who is drinking Pinot Grigio, orders a round for his new friends. One is named Marina, the other, Anna. They were visiting. They, they found most Americans not nice. They, you, you seem to be an exception to the rule. You're very nice and friendly to us. And I said, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> you know, I think most Americans are nice. I mean, you come up to me, you're talking to me, I'm gonna be nice to you. I said, you're not, you're not yelling at me for a bad forecast. I remember saying that, you know, I don't have to duck. I'm gonna be nice, I'm in a good mood. I'm in Miami and I'm enjoying some food and a couple of drinks at the bar. Boleris says that after a drink, he heads out to the bar by the pool. The two girls join him. John insists that the girls never offer to have sex. On the other hand, he says, he is open to whatever the night might bring. I wasn't at, you know, a bingo church. I was at South Beach, Miami. I'm a single guy. It may cross your mind. It could cross your mind. It's normal across your mind. It's not a crime in, in thinking that you may be getting together or maybe not. Who knows? I, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes elapsed, few minutes elapsed, and they came by and said, do you want to do a shot with us? I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do a shot. You know, I don't want to do a shot. I'm having Pinot Grigio. I'm on my lining up for a shot, right? And I said, no. But the girls are persistent. But then they came over again. And they said, you're not doing a shot with us? And then the one came behind me and started rubbing my shoulder, please do just a shot with us. Let's just have a shot, you know, do it for, you know, our country and your country. I said, oh, okay, I'll do a shot. And then they like rubbing it. And the other one poured a shot down my throat. I said, I did the shot, okay? You know what, there's not too much that goes on after that that I can uh, truly remember. One thing he does remember, the women suggest they go to an art auction to benefit victims of the earthquake in Haiti. I said, all right, I'll, I'll stop in, I'll stop in. Um, I remember getting in the cab, and the only thing I remember after that was someone holding my arm. I felt that, and like, shining signing things. At one point, he remembers passing out. And uh, then they got me up. They said, are you okay? You know, yeah, whoa, you know, I remember saying, whoa, you must, you light drinker. I said, yeah. And they said, oh, you, you, you bit on the painting. I said, what? I bit on a painting. I said, okay. 
Yeah, here's your painting. Come on, we're going to take it back to the uh, to your hotel. this painting go I remember but I said hmm I checked for receipts I wanted to see a what I paid for the painting and if it's going to be a charity write-off I got to have the receipt there are no receipts to be found and then I noticed my as I was checking the draw my sunglasses were missing expensive sunglasses then I thought something was up I had the painting there sunglasses I said they they took him. they took him all right but the b-girls aren't finished with him yet if they're really really good you know and they're the best they're the best of the best after waking up with a throbbing head and a mysterious painting at the foot of his bed John Bolaris is a little confused. I don't know exactly what happened because you don't remember anything, but you know there's a painting there. There's no receipt. Your sunglasses are missing. You're up you're in, in your full clothes, but you have, you know, red wine on you and you have blanks. They said they, they took me. But if they took him, there's this curiosity. His wallet is there with all his credit cards. And then later, after the swim, he sees there's a message on his hotel phone. Hello, it's Marina. So sorry. We took your sunglasses by accident. We hope you like the painting. And they left their number. They're saying they have their sun my sunglasses and they made a mistake. I called them back. I said, hey, what the heck? You know, where this, where's the receipt? What the painting? Oh, I said, I bid on this painting. Oh, you bid very heavily. Bolares can't remember bidding at all. But this much he does know. He has an acute case of buyer's regret, and he wants their help to return the painting. Okay, uh, if you don't like it, we'll return it to the vendor, and we'll, and we'll get your sun, and we'll return your sunglasses. Okay. So what exactly is Bolares thinking at this moment? You know, listen, my everything was there, my 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 wallet was there. I mean, if they were gonna rip me off, would they come rip me off? My wallet's there. So what kind of a red flag are you gonna have with that? You're not. So John agrees to meet the girls again. He says he simply wants his stuff returned. But Playboy writer Pat Jordan says it's only natural that some other motivation could be in the mix. You wake up smelling a perfume with two red lips, you think you did well, and you don't remember it, though. So maybe you go back the second night. John meets the girls once again at the Delano, at the same pool bar. And they say, hey, John. I said, okay, came over. I go, hey, we got your sunglasses. So sorry, they look like our sunglasses. We were a little drunk. We had a good time. It was fun. 
They drink more Pinot Grigio and make plans to return the dreaded painting. At one point, Valera says he leaves the girls to go to the bathroom. He believes they take that opportunity to spike his drink. Because after that, things get very blurry. He remembers getting into a cab and heading to the nightclub where they say he bought the painting. When I walked in, the only thing I remember is a bar and a person handing a purse to Marina. That's it. There's no way that from Pinot Grigio that <laughs> I'll take that kind of a ride, you know, or like, no. Total gone, total, total blackout. The next day is Groundhog Day, a painful replay. But this morning, there's a ray of light. The painting is gone. It looks like his new friend from Estonia have made good on their promise. And I remember they came back to the room and they took the painting. That's it. Valeris feels sick much worse than the day before. But he manages to get on a plane back to Philadelphia. And when he shuffles home, dead tired, he gets a call from American Express. They say his credit card has a boatload of suspicious charges. Originally, they said 27,000 and change, and, and then they called back and they upped it to $43,670. I said, where where this transaction take place? They said at a place called the Caviar Bar. I said, I, I, I don't know what the Caviar Bar is. They, obviously, this is a mistake. I just knew something went on with my credit card. And I, then it came to me, it was them. I called Marina. I, met, I said, hey, and she, hi, how are you? I said, listen, what did you guys do? I said, what you did was a crime, I do believe. If you use my credit card without my authorization, that's, that's a crime. Oh, no, we would never do anything. I said, no. What did you do? I, and I actually said to them, who are you working for? Valeris files a fraud claim with Amex and refuses to pay the charges. To his surprise, as he tells it, Amex takes the merchant's side. They were horrible. The chief investigator said to me, I've seen this a thousand times. You're acting like a big shot and you're spending money. And I said, wait a minute. You've seen this a thousand times on my account? Valeris asks for proof of the transactions, and the credit card company faxes receipts to him at work. And I call her back and said, Those, that's not my signature. And I said, look at the timestamps. Every three minutes, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000, $800 tip, $700 tip. He's just barely exaggerating. The money trail shows that Valeris's first transaction at the caviar bar is at 3.21 in the morning. He's charged $1,888 for Palme d'Or Champagne. It retails for about $100. 15 minutes later, he's charged $2,495 for a bottle of Cristal. Gratuity is $499. 19 minutes later, another charge for just over five grand. I hate champagne, okay? I'll do the toast at a wedding, but I don't like champagne. 39 minutes later, he apparently buys the painting, spelled here, panting, for $2,480. Of course, that's before gratuity. And that's just the first night. 
The second night, Bolaris starts earlier and does even more damage. $27,194 in just one night. I would have been dead. According to Bolaris, the fraud investigator says the caviar bar's owner, Stan Pavlinko, is a legitimate businessman. American Express declined to speak with American Greed, citing privacy concerns. But Bolaris believes the Amex investigator was fooled by Pavlinko. She goes, I, I have a photograph, you know, of, of you having a good time. I go, oh, yeah, what is this photograph? She goes, well, it's you sitting down with lipstick, uh, 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 you know, an imprint of lips on your cheek. Let me see this picture. I said, how'd you get this picture? Stan sent it. I said, why would Stan send pictures of me if he wasn't planning on doing something? Don't you see that, I said? Don't you see that your Stan was setting me up? This is, this is a crime. I'm telling you it's a crime. Nope. Case closed. Hung up the phone. I could never get back to her again. Valeris makes calls to the police in Miami Beach. And that's where Officer Luis King comes in. The Miami Beach PD allows officers to work off-duty as security for nightclubs. And the Miami branch of the FBI, which is investigating fraud in nightclubs, knows Officer King has a history of undercover work. The FBI sees a way in. They had told me briefly uh, about a, that they believe the club is involved somehow in fraud, uh, possibly drugging uh, clients there. The FBI persuades King to go undercover and find out what's going on in five clubs owned by Russian businessmen. They call it Operation Caviar Beach. A few days later, King meets with one of the owners, Isaac Feldman. Feldman sells condos in Sunny Isles Beach, known as Little Moscow. In this YouTube video he posted, Feldman celebrates his birthday at the office. Now he's branching out into entertainment. Feldman tells King the Stars Lounge is a high-end private club that employs young girls to reel in customers. Immediately working Vice in here in Miami Beach, I re recognize that right off the B. It's called B-Girls. B-Girls, also known as Bar Girls. Working undercover, Officer King gets a front row seat to the wildest show on South Beach. In August 2010, Miami Beach police officer Luis King goes undercover at Star's Lounge. He plays the role of an off-duty cop doing security. And a camera hidden in his key fob captures images which are reviewed every night by the FBI. One of the first people he meets is the man who plays the heavy, Alec Oleg Simchuk. He told me that there's not going to be any prostitution, that uh, he ran clubs in uh, Estonia and Latvia, and that he was going to run it exactly the same way here. Simchuk tells King his team of bar girls, or B-girls, doesn't need to sell sex. 
They can make more money selling overpriced liquor. And it's safer. Simchuk says he's killing it in Latvia, and Miami is ripe for the picking. They were very successful. The cheapest bottle of wine they had went for $129, and those we found at uh, Publix for $3 for a $35 bottle of champagne. They would sell them for, uh, for $2,500. The one, most expensive one I saw them sell was uh, came out to $17,000. The Russian owners love having a cop around. They just assume he's corrupt because that's how it worked in the old country. Still, the bosses keep their distance at first. They didn't open up to me right off the bat. The girls I had more contact with them. One way King earns goodwill is by letting the girls use his iPad. And they love to take pictures. And all that was to be able to gather that information and to uh, try to show what was going on inside the clubs and also to be able to identify the girls later on. The captain of the team is one of the B-girls who took John Valeris for a ride. Her name is Marina, a 24-year-old from Latvia. Marina, she was a heavy drinker, and she could hold her liquor. She's having a toast of vodka. They love vodka. She knew how to party. She could dance for the guys. She can get the guys motivated and uh, to get them up there dancing so that they would drink, and she would get them partying. And she knew how to, how to bring out the uh, party animal in, in, in pretty much all the guys. Anna, a 25-year-old from Latvia, is the other B-girl who duped Valeris. She's also one of the leaders of the pack. But she was extremely good. She got another client for close to $40,000 also. Albert Takaloff is another partner in this scheme. He runs the bar and recruits the girls. King says 50 girls come and go during his eight-month undercover operation. Her name is Victoria, uh, Christina, Anastasia. Most are from Latvia and Estonia and are in their late teens or early 20s. One of the things that they would try to recruit the girls was that they weren't coming for prostitution purposes, uh, that they were coming uh, to entertain gentlemen, to bring them to the club as promoters. This B-girl looks innocent in a Minnie Mouse sweatshirt when she poses on a plane leaving Latvia. When she arrives in Miami, Louise King is the first American she meets. Pick them up at the airport and help them get set up. When they arrived, I would take them to Walgreens or one of the local stores so that they can buy an air mattress. Most times they would buy the queen size so that two of them could sleep on one mattress. If sharing a cheap mattress doesn't sound like the glamorous life on the Miami party scene, that's because it isn't. It was Oleg's organization that paid for the uh, flight for the girl. They would buy a plane ticket for them to come over. They would hold that over their head uh, in that uh, they would not buy a ticket for them to fly back unless they worked and produced and earned money for them to fly back. Otherwise, they wouldn't buy them a ticket. They would be stranded here. King says the transformation of the young women is unbelievable. 
Mrs. Anastasia before she became involved with uh, Oleg Simchuk's group. She was very shy when she first started. By April, she was a totally different individual. Uh, she was on the wild side by then. These two were 18 years old. They were both uh, from Russia. Oleg Simchuk used to like trying to take these two girls home on a regular basis. And they did not like go having to go with him. But when they would hear that Oleg was coming into the club, they would take off running out, outside the club. Uh, that's how much they disliked having to go, go home with Oleg. Because the B-girls don't like to be prey. At heart, they're apex predators. In Miami Beach, when the clock strikes midnight, it's time for the B-girls to go to work. This is Ocean Drive. This is the uh, main area of entertainment here on Miami Beach. The Clevelander in this area was the main hunting ground for the, that I would bring the girls out for them to find the clients. Also, just right down the street, mangoes. The B-girls hunt in teams of two, and they have a keen sense of when to pounce. One of the key things I would ask them, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a watch or, or what are you looking for? And one of the things that uh, the girls kept on coming back, they said that you can always tell if a guy has money by their shoes. If it's high quality, extremely expensive shoes, then they got money. The girls move in, lavishing attention on their mark. If he's with friends, they try to separate him, divide and conquer. And they tease him playing on his sense of machismo. They would love to hit on a man's ego and tell him, let's take some shots. And the other one poured a shot down my throat. I said, I did the shot, okay? But the girls were served water and the men were served vodka. And they were masters of having the clients drink an incredible amount of vodka in a short period of time. Once the guy is good and liquored up, they say they know a place around the corner that's quiet where they can talk. They're master manipulators of the male psyche, says Pat Jordan, who wrote about the B-girls for Playboy. They're just looking for a guy who thinks he's a player. You know, they're like a Playboy cartoon. Two gorgeous women going up to some nerdy guy in glasses at a bar and saying he's the hottest thing they've ever seen. A real player would know right, right off. I mean, me, two bar girls coming up to me. I'd say, what do you want, a grandfather, you know? <laughs> but it's gotta be a guy who thinks he's a player. And that self-delusion only grows stronger as the night gets longer. Their main success is when they would start actually coming back in would be between 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning. Some of them can barely walk as they come into the club, and uh, they're prime targets at that point. King takes American Greed to Washington Avenue, just off the main drag. The Russians run three clubs within a few blocks, Tangia Club, Stars Lounge, and Steel Toast. This is the, the main strip that they would pick the clubs to work at. Uh, here on Washington Avenue. They had it uh, both here, uh, right across the street, they had another one. And uh, earlier, the Stars Lounge was just uh, one block down further south. As seen from the hidden camera, the B-girls pretend that they don't know the bouncer checking IDs, even though he's their boss. 
Once inside, the Mark finds that the club is largely empty. It's just him, a bartender, and a few women. They would dance for him. You had a lot of uh, touching. The girls allowed themselves to be touched by the uh, clients uh, pretty much as much as they wanted to. They promised a lot to the guys, uh, whether it was just company or uh, just talking to them, or they promised them to have sex with them later on that night. The B-girls take 20% of all the booze they sell, and it's absurdly overpriced. The Mark doesn't know it, but each swipe of his card can cost two, three, even $5,000. The B-girls are so delirious with greed that they'll sell anything, according to one story that King says Marina tells them. At one point, she was telling me uh, that uh, she had gotten some, some guy out of Philadelphia. It was a, some TV guy. Uh, she was telling me that, that uh, she got him for $48,000 and sold him a picture that we used to have on the wall, and she pointed to a, to a bare spot that you could still see the picture frame right there on the wall, and she was so proud of that. I said, I bid on this painting. Oh, you bid very heavily. The girls took pride, and they kept on saying this thing. They took pride in the fact that they could screw over a guy without having to screw him. They were so proud of that. And they kind of looked down on uh, other girls, and they said, why are these girls prostituting when they can make just as much or more money taking advantage of guys? This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. By four or five in the morning, most men in Star's Lounge can't even see straight. It's the perfect time to present the bill. And that's Marina's job. She's got a little trick to separate men from their money. She covers up zeros with her thumb and tells them where to sign. Then the other girls who brought them in would try to try to uh, distract them by by caressing them, by kissing them, and they would do anything they could to distract and pull their attention away from what the actual bill was. And they were extremely successful at that. Occasionally, the B-girls have to take control. One guy in particular that I remember, he was so drunk, they were getting buckets of ice water and throwing it on top of him. One girl sat on his chest and just started slapping him to wake him up so he could sign his bills. But not all the men are slobbering suckers. Sometimes the B-girls bring back a guy who can really hold his liquor. Or perhaps a new girl is clumsy in her sleight of hand. In those cases, the mark senses a trap. The first night that I was there, I was in plain clothes, and uh, an individual took off running. And I had to chase him down, threaten him, 
and threatened to handcuff him. Police officer. Hey, I'm a police officer. Come on, get down on the ground. Get down on the ground. I'll beat the head. Get down on the ground. Turn around. I'm a police officer. Doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Yes, in Florida, it does matter. The Russians cleverly exploit Florida Statute 509.151, more commonly known as the Innkeeper's Law. The Innkeeper's Law in South Florida prevents tourists coming down and ripping off restaurants and stuff by running out on the tab and going, you know, hopping the next plane back to Ohio. Running out on a bill of more than $300 is a felony in Florida. It was a very uh, convincing argument to get somebody to pay. Now put your hands behind your back. You gonna take care of that bill? Let me out. No. Listen, guy, I'll bust your head right here. Now, I'm a police officer and I can do it. All right, let me out. Okay. Let me out. No. Just let me out. No. Please, let me settle it. Let's you gonna settle, go settle it. it? Yeah, yeah. Give me your wallet. We're gonna walk back and settle it. Uh, I would tell him, listen, your bill is $5,000. You either pay the $5,000 now, or you're gonna be paying the $5,000 when you post bond. Which is it going to be? On more than one occasion, I had people yelling at me, calling me corrupt, and it was just part of the uh, undercover deal. It's a clever fraud. And one B-girl tells King she makes as much in two weeks as she does in a year back home. The lion's share goes to the owners. Just one pair of high-performing B-girls can bring in a quarter million dollars a month for the club. Oleg Simchuk would buy cars. He had a BMW, he had a uh, Hummer. Albert Takalov purchased a new vehicle for his wife. They would go on trips. They would spend as much money as they could. The Russians tell themselves they're in the entertainment business. And it's true that they follow the number one rule of showbiz. Always leave them wanting more. Because once the card's maxed out, the show's over. There was one guy in particular that I remembered. He got taken, I think, for about $5,500. The girls actually dumped him inside the club, and they went out through the back door. He hang, hung around that club for the longest period of time, hoping that they would come back. And I'm telling him, the girls are gone. And they kept on telling me, he had, get them out of here so that the girls can bring new guys in. But he refused to leave, thinking they would come back. Drunk, broke, and dejected, the men are kicked to the curb. And sometimes they quite literally lose their shirts. The girls, as a trophy, would love to take the men's shirt. I don't know why. If they got a really good client and they got them for a lot of money, they would take their shirts as a trophy. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. After eight months of working undercover, Officer Louise King has earned the trust of the Russians running the B-Girls scam. 
King makes speeding tickets and parking citations disappear, and he fixes any hassle with the city of Miami Beach. Albert Takalov and Alex Simchuk trust him so much, they make King a partner, entitled to 5% of the profits. And what that did was that opened up the books to me. I got to see it. The records show that hundreds of men have been victimized and defrauded of more than $2 million. With this key evidence in hand, the FBI decides it's time to put the B-girls on ice. But how should they bring all the players together at one time? King has an idea. The B-girls recently threw a 21st birthday party for him. That actually gave me the idea to when they finally, to bring them all together at the end was to throw another party. King tells the gang he's getting promoted to sergeant. It's great news. With more power, he can do even more for them. They stage a promotion party for King. We ordered uh, uh, stone crabs and uh, a big spread for all the uh, for all the girls. And when everyone's assembled, King sends a text to his handlers at the bureau. And five minutes later, the FBI walks in the door, and it was over. The bosses and the B girls are taken by surprise and arrested without incident. And I know before the raid. I said to one of the feds, I said, can you do me a favor? When you go in, because they told me they were going in, tell Marina that the weatherman says hello. Because they bragged about what they did to me. They got greedy. After filing a civil lawsuit against American Express, John Valeris eventually gets his money back. But his fight costs him much more than $43,000. The Philadelphia media goes nuts with the story. Valeris even merits his own cartoon. And the way the press make things look, like it was called the hangover, the real-life hangover, and uh, making it look like I just had a fun time in Miami. Pat Jordan writes a piece for Playboy. Valeris doesn't like it. And his boss at the TV station really hates it. Your embarrassment your embarrassment to the industry, your embarrassment to me, your embarrassment to everyone. You should be embarrassed in front of your daughter. You're an embarrassing individual to me. Bolaris appeals to a bigwig at the network. He pleads that he's the victim of a crime and deserves a second chance. Bolaris says this executive is sympathetic to his plight, but still believes he has no option other than to let him go. John. When you decide to go to Miami and not be with your little girl and hang out with Russian hookers, what do you think we're going to do? And he goes, it's all perception. And that was it. I don't think there was any call from Philadelphia uh, TV weather viewers to have John Bolaris fired. He was a weatherman. He wasn't Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, you know, uh, who thought he was better than what he was doing. John, John liked the weather. Bolaris says his lost weekend ultimately costs him $2 million in lost wages. And he believes he's been blackballed. No one gave him the opportunity. I mean, it's over. I mean, there's, there's just, you know, I, I've come to realization I'm not getting back into the TV industry because there's, you know, as they say, crickets. 19 defendants are charged with multiple counts of wire fraud and money laundering. 13 defendants plead guilty, 
including Marina Tursina and Anna Kilimatova. The B-girls do a short time in prison and then are deported to their home countries. Alex Simchuk flees to Russia. He lands on the FBI's fugitive list, where he remains for over a year. On October 10, 2012, in a federal courthouse in Miami, the trial begins against Albert Takaloff and four others. But where is Alex Simchuk? In a bit of courtroom drama, the former fugitive makes an appearance as the star witness against his former comrades. And he has a harrowing tale of life on the run. He testifies that while smoking a cigarette in St. Petersburg, a man approaches him and says, Good people from Miami don't want you to testify. You have a beautiful wife. Stay at home. His leg is snapped and the bone is broken. Simchuk testifies that despite the clear warning, I don't want to be on the run all my life. I want to put everything behind me. Alex Simchuk pleads guilty and gets three years in prison. At trial, one defendant is acquitted, but the other three are found guilty of wire fraud and money laundering. Stanislav Pavlenko gets six and a half years in prison. Isaac Feldman, eight. And Albert Takaloff gets 12 years in prison. If it wasn't for Polaris being actually pretty tough and insistent, they would still be operating. You know, it's like the guy who sees a murder, everybody sees the murder and nobody will testify because they're afraid. And one guy stands up in court, puts his life on the line and, and testifies. John didn't know whether the Russian mob was a real serious Russian mob, you know, that was going to whack him or anything. It took a lot of courage by Belarus to come forth because he, he knew the what people were going to say about him. Uh, that he was going to be ridiculed, uh, and my hat goes off to him. Though they hail from the Baltic states, the B-girls are masters of American greed. They're experts at exploiting a man's naive belief that tonight is his lucky night. If you go to South Beach thinking you might get laid, I'll guarantee you you'll get screwed. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.